This morning we're continuing our, our series in the Christmas is Questionable. And today we're going to read from all four Gospels, the good news of Jesus Christ, from Luke, Matthew, Mark, and John. And if you read through these Gospels, some of them have some similar stories, but some of them have some different things. And today we're going to read the beginning parts of all four so we can compare how they told about Jesus. So the first one, Luke chapter one, one through four, says many have undertaken to drop an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from who the first eyewitnesses and servants of the world. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Thopius, so that you may know the certainty of the things that have been taught. And then if we go to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. And then to Mark, Mark chapter 1 says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And then if we go to John, John 1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. These are the words for us this morning. As we continue, let us bow our heads in prayer. God, we are so blessed to be reading your word this morning. And while it may not all make sense to us or we may not understand why everything is different, God, we know that your word is inspired by you, is alive and active. And God, these words that you have for us as we look into the Christmas season and into Advent, we know that these words are what some people in this room needed to hear today. And as Mike comes up to preach the gospel and as he comes to preach your word, God, we ask that you fill his heart, you fill his words, that you would be the only thing that runs through his lips. Everything is said by you, and God, if it is your will, that you would have special words for those in this room. It's in your name we pray, amen. I'm sitting. Good morning. So glad to be with you to... uh, share the everlasting gospel with you. And as I go to that, uh, uh, defining a little bit about what Kelsey just read, a couple of announcements. Um, One's not an announcement. I just love this Christmas time. I love Advent time. I love this time of preparing for Christ to come and all the programs that go with it. Um, I do encourage you to look at kind of the schedule of events that's been provided you, and I think you received one uh, in the mail maybe this week, and it's in your bulletin. Uh, Do pay attention to the fact that um, Uh, For children, particularly, but also for those of us that like children's stories, we have added to our Advent schedule on the 20th, which is a Friday night, our Majesty Puppet Show. So um, bring your kids in the neighborhood, bring your friends, or invite those colleagues of yours at work or wherever that might have younger kids to say, hey, this would be a really fun uh, thing to go. And note today, uh, big program this afternoon, our bell choir will be featured at 4 o'clock uh, in our program this afternoon, uh, dinner to follow. Uh, some of the stuff was baking yesterday, so come on back. It's going to be a wonderful day. Why can't Christianity get its story straight? 
I had a fellow come to me, and it happens about every year when people are talking about biblical interpretation and stuff like that. They'll say, you know, the problem, Pastor Mike, is the place where the Bible contradicts itself makes Christianity really questionable. And I, I understand that because when, when we look at these four stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it does seem that the stories are just a little bit different. And I want to take you down a journey this morning, and, and those of you that are watching and the church online, to really look at these stories and ask yourself the question, do they contradict each other, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, this, the beginning of the Gospels, or are they complementary to each other? And that'll be the case I'll make today. So here we go. Why can't Christianity get its story straight? It simply can't. Did you expect that? Christianity can't get its story straight because there are too many witnesses. Too many witnesses to the same thing sometimes gives you a variety of responses. It's because a witness tells what they witnessed. Now, we're not going to do this, but if I were to tell the guys in the back to turn off the lights real quick, and then I asked you what was on this altar, I think I would get a variety of witnesses. Because some of you focus on the two, the Christ and the gospel candle. Some of you have focused on, on the, uh, on the uh, Advent wreath. Some of you have focused on this beautiful nativity we've had, or the, the poinsettias. But I would guarantee you that if I asked you to write it all down, <clears throat> we would get several hundred different responses of what's exactly. Now, some of you are OCD, so you've already worked it out, and you're really disrupted about one point set of being turned the wrong way or something like that. I get that. I understand that. But when you have a multiplicity of witnesses, you have a multiplicity of stories. And they're often about the same events. But one thing you would all agree upon, if I turned the lights off and said, there's an altar up here, right? You'd say, yep. With a bunch of religious stuff on it? Yep. So, so when we bore it down a little bit, we do all see the same thing, but we have different lenses on our eyes as to what we see. For instance, I see the wood because I like it, and I love that Regan made it for us. We'd see different things. Now, <clears throat> if you were part of a congregation or a group that said, um, hey, we're having a free spaghetti lunch at the church. The question is, you as a listener, because some of what we witness is what we see, but some of it's what we hear, if we said free spaghetti lunch at the church, what would you hear? There's a lot of you Methodists, and I know you, that once you heard the word free, you were on your way, right? <laughs> but there's a, free, a few of you that would say, is it the spaghetti with the cream sauce? Because if it is, I'm on my way. But both would be correct, that it's free and it's spaghetti, and a certain kind of spaghetti. So, so context sculpts how and what the witness shares. See, there is always an audience to receive the testimony. Broke people, if they were to hear that there's a free spaghetti lunch at the church, need to hear that it's free. Hungry people need to know how to get it. And gluten-free people need to know if there's an option for them because spaghetti's rich with gluten. So, so the audience is important and the objective in testifying is important. Continuing down this same analogy, you know, the person that was really hungry might say, I was hungry and I found lunch. But there's also others that are always looking out for others and say, you hungry? I found lunch for you. 
And there's others that are more global. Anybody hungry? We have lunch. All witness to the same thing. And the Christian gospel has a similar appeal to us. There are four witnesses of the same event, and they all see it, and they all tell it differently. So at some very important levels, and this is where we want to go today, and for some very important purposes, Christianity does not even try to get its story straight. Let's talk about why, one by one. Mark's witness to the birth of Jesus Christ goes like this. Kelsey read it a few moments ago. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare a way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for him, for the Lord makes straight paths for him. See, the first gospel written, Mark was written earliest, even though it's second in our Testament, for the first gospel written says nothing of Jesus' birth. There's not a word about Jesus being born in the book of of Mark. Why? Why? It, It makes no sense to those of us that love the nativity story. Possibly, this book was written so early that it's unnecessary to write it down because everyone knew that story. Everyone knew about it. So telling it again didn't serve Mark's Mark's purpose in, in witnessing it. See, in Mark's vision, servanthood is what's important. Being a servant is what's important. So John the Baptist takes the lead role because he's first. He's the one that comes to prepare the way for the Lord. And serving God is his opening in the Gospel of Mark because it leads to Jesus and Jesus' service of humanity. Mark is a very inclusive gospel. How you serve God, not where or from whom you come, is what matters. So, so that, that, that beautiful story of heaven opening up and letting Christ come to earth, to Mark at some deep ways, it's not that essential in his telling of the story, in his witness to Jesus, because it's what Jesus does with that and that's how he speaks to us. It's what we do with the gospel planted on our heart, what kind of a servant we become, and to whom that becomes important. So, so Mark tells this very individualized, unique story of his witness to Jesus. And, and Mark was very close to probably Peter the apostle. So he knew these things in relative terms first or near firsthand. Now, Matthew takes a whole different. Matthew's witness to the birth of Jesus Christ has a whole different perspective. He starts like this, Matthew in Matthew 1.18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. So he's telling us two things. He's telling us the methodology, born of a virgin, and he's talk, telling about who Jesus is, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. The target audience of the Gospel of Matthew is Jewish. This is the Jewish audience. And that's why he starts with this genealogy, which is if you ever look in the Bible and you have them under your seat or you might have them on your phone, the genealogy in Matthew 1, verses 1 through 17, places Jesus in the family of King David and in the family of Father Abraham. And the stories that are told in the Gospel of Matthew are told to show Jesus is going to be a better king than David and a superior teacher to Moses. And by the way, to the Jews, that is saying the literal everything, because these are their top two, King David, Moses the lawgiver. And so the news, as, as we talked a few weeks ago here, the news in Matthew of a Messiah coming come to the intellectual elite. 
They come to those magi that are off in, in Persia. They come to Herod, who's the king. And, and Jewishness is so rich in Matthew, and Jewishness and being accurate to that is one of the main evangelistic tools that Matthew uses. See, the fulfillment of messianic prophecies is critical to Matthew. Absolutely critical that all these prophecies that were told in Isaiah and Jeremiah and uh, all the other, Micah and all the other prophets, they have to line up exactly right for Matthew to be a good evangelist to the Jews. And in Matthew, Joseph is portrayed as the ideal believer. The ideal believer, that is to say, that he comes to know that, that Mary is pregnant with child, God speaks to him, he hears God's word, and he does it. He hears what God tells him to do, and he does it. So Joseph is portrayed as the ideal believer, not odd for a Jewish audience, okay? Witnesses, same story, different telling. Let's go to our third gospel, Luke. Luke witnessed the birth of Jesus Christ is a bit different. Let me unpack it for you a little bit. Now, Luke and Matthew are the two that have the nativity story in it. Luke 1 says, many have undertaken, which means, so by the way, we have four gospels in the scripture, but that doesn't mean there were just four stories of Jesus' birth, okay? There's more than that. Um, these are the four that we felt were most faithful. Not we. I wasn't alive in uh, 300. There was another group before us. But many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. So Luke is leaning in to the fact that the, the messianic prophecies have been fulfilled. That is for sure. And then he goes on. Just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first eyewitnesses. The whole book of Luke is filled with eyewitnesses, plural testimony, eyewitnesses and servants of the world, word. So he's, he's sharing the story that he feels to be valid because it's all told by eyewitnesses. With this in mind, now this is Luke speaking to him, uh, of himself, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too, which again refers to other accounts, decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, which could be a person, but that name means beloved of God, so it's probably more likely the collective us, so that you may know the certainty. So Luke's issue is getting this in chronological order correctly, so that you may know the certainty of the things that have been taught. Now, Luke is writing primarily to a Gentile audience, a non-Jewish audience. That would be the collective us. And his focus is on the marginalized people in the world, not on the elevated intellectuals like Matthew was. Luke is much more colloquial in his storytelling. That's why there's more parables in Luke than anyone else. So the news in, in Luke, you know, you know the, the marginalized people are included, shepherds, Women, for goodness sake, children, sick people, poor people, people that are rejected by society, they, they take front of the stage in, in, in Luke's story. And God appears not to the elite, but to the poor, to the childless old women, to the childless old men, to engaged virgin women, to shepherds that is the lowest economic rung on the Jewish schedule. And more Mary here is portrayed as the ideal believer, not, not the, jo the Jewish man Joseph. But Mary is portrayed as the ideal believer because as Joseph in the Gospel of Matthew, she hears the word of God 
and does it. She's told that she is going to be with child of the Holy Spirit, and she rejoices in it. We looked at some of that last week in our sermon time. The Holy Spirit and women are prominent and often the main character in the characters in the narrative that Luke gives us in the fourth gospel. John's witness to the birth of Jesus Christ is so different than the rest of them because Matthew and Luke focus on this earthly person, Jesus the Christ. Mark focuses on the servanthood of Jesus. John focuses entirely on the divinity of Christ. So his story starts cosmically. Take a look at this, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. That means there's this divine intelligence before all things. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That, that is a, po- a poetic way of saying Jesus is God, which, which Mark or John will repeat a number of times. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing has, was made that has been made. This is referring all the way back to the Genesis story. In the beginning, God said, let the heavens and the earth come about. In him, Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, this is how John starts. So though he leaves out all the characters in the nativity, all all these shepherds, wise men, John claims that Jesus' birth is the most significant event in the history of the world then, now, to come. There is no event More important than this, the birth of Jesus began before the creation of the world. Think about that. It was foreordained. Everything that is is created through Jesus. The birth of Jesus means that the eternal presence, the eternal intelligence, the eternal power of God came to be one of us in a human being, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Quick bonus for all of you that are taking Christmas's questionable study. If you open this week's study, you're going to find that all the answers to those questions, every single one of those answers, can only be Matthew or Luke. Did you hear me? So if you're taking the class, can any of the answers be John? What about Mark? All right, you're on life. So don't guess like it's 50-50 in school. There's no pattern. But all of your answers will either be Matthew or Luke. So you've found that the story of the nativity of Christ is only found in Matthew and Luke. So we return to our our, our original question. Why can't Christians get their story straight? I think it has. I think Christianity has gotten their story straight. I really do. The unique differences in the story is what gets it straight for me. That's what gets it straight. Four witnesses, four stories. Are you surprised by that? Four witnesses, and that means the main elements, though, is if we look at the, if we look at the four stories, human beings seeing the same thing from a different angle, we see four witnesses, and the main elements are all congruent. They all are there. Jesus is divine. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John agree. Jesus' purpose is to be the Savior of the world. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John agree. 
He came to save every audience. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all agree. And here's the thing about the truth. The truth needs no modifiers or corrections. You just tell it. You just tell it. See, witnesses in, 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 in aim in telling their story towards their audience. What they say is truly what they saw and what they heard, and they're responsible to communicate it. You know, we, we've all told stories of things we've been involved in, and the story's details sometimes change depending on how and who we're telling it to, don't they? Because we know when we're telling something that this part of the story may be import, more important to this audience than this part of the story. It doesn't make one part or the other part less valuable. Also, I, I was raised, uh, my, my principal, who also used to be my father, had this sentence. And by the way, his son needed it. He says, when something happens, just tell the truth because then you don't have to remember what you said. Doesn't that make sense? Because that's what happened. You know, if you try to add details, or so, so, so when you are telling the truth, you, you don't need modifiers. You don't, you, you don't need corrections to it. You just tell it. And it should stand on its own. And to me, to be honest with you, the four stories of Jesus' birth make this story more true for me. Because you see, if Christianity had tried to get its story straight, it would, it would feel modified. It would feel like, okay, we have to blend all these together. I know when we read it that we think that all the gospels have the wise men, all the gospels have the shepherds. They don't, and it's okay. We put all this nativity together. We even display it together. We've got the wise men and shepherd hanging out together up here, which is appropriate because we believe in all that. And yet, hearing different stories of the same thing make me feel a little bit more like Human beings actually saw this, more than one. Because if one person just wrote it all down or took all the stories and merged them together, that, that'd be kind of uh, dubious, I think. Be hard to believe. And this story has withstood, you know, many, many generations. The Christian story includes four unique, complementary introductions to Jesus Christ. Mark tells us that Jesus is Lord that serves in secret, thus free from the flight of status and supremacy. Matthew tells us that Jesus is the king of the Jews, worthy of obedience and worship. Luke tells us that Jesus is the humane savior that brings good tidings and liberation to the poor, marginalized, and neglected. John is, tells us that Jesus is God who comes to bring a new beginning to the world. The story of Christ's birth is a story of a Savior that applies and appeals to all. Hear that again. The story of Christ and his birth is a story of a Savior that applies and appeals to it all. And I got to tell you, since you're a Christian and part of the Christian church, that's our story. That's our story. And we're going to stick to it, amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity to dive into your stories. Stories of different authors, stories of different perspective, stories of different hearts that have been transformed by your 
wonderful Jesus, your Holy Spirit, your hand as creator, all differently. What a beautiful thing it is, Lord, to have four perspectives. Because as human beings, it makes it easier for us to understand because we have different perspective of the very same thing sometimes. So Lord, we're thankful that in the early church, your Holy Spirit advised those leaders to not try to get one story straight, but to tell the story the way the saints, the way the men of renown, the men, the way the apostles witnessed it. For frankly, Lord, for me, and I pray many others, that makes it believable, not incongruent, but complementary. And so we thank you for that, Lord, and we thank you for all that you've given to us even to this day. And we pray these things in your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.